So, hey, what's up? This is Kurt Vile from Philadelphia. I'm a Philly's constant hit maker. I put out a bunch of albums, psychedelic sort of uh, classic rock confused music. And I don't know what it is about Australians, but I have a connection with them as well. So it's good. It's good to be here. I'm here to talk with you, my fellow Australians. Welcome to the next episode of Introducing How You Doing. Thanks to everyone who uh, got to listen to Cap Temperley, uh, my old mate from Perth, Eskimo Joe's front man, and now doing some fine stuff out on his own. Uh, it was a great chat. Lovely to see Cav again. Um, here we are. I'm so excited about this because I've loved Kurt Vile since I bought a copy of Walking on a Pretty Days. Such a good album. Nothing like a nine-minute opening track. He's Philadelphia born and raised, and... and very similar to the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, really. He's chatting to us here before he goes on stage in Buffalo, New York. I'm sure everyone's made that Fresh Prince joke with Kurt. Uh, we'll chat about his brand new album, Watch My Moves. We'll also talk about um, his relationship with Adam from The War on Drugs and his past life on a forklift with a banjo. Um, he's coming to Australia for one show only. Guys, buy tickets to this. Harvest Rock in Adelaide. I'm going along um, Saturday the 19th and Sunday the 20th of November in Adelaide, harvestrock.com for tickets and more information. Jack White's only show. I can't confirm this, but since you're listening, and it's just between us, I might be getting Jack White on the podcast very soon. Okay? Uh, Jack White, Crowded House, The Black Crows, Groove Armada, The Lumineers, Tones and I, Courtney Barnett, uh, Kurt Vile, and The Violators. Their only Australian show. As I said, get tickets right now. Go to Adelaide for the weekend. Do it. Um, harvestrock.com. Here is my chat with the very lovely, the very sweet, the very rockin' Kurt Vile. I'm very excited to see you here on what I'm saying is a very sexy lineup of uh, artists for the Harvest Rock Festival um, in a hot minute in November. I'm pumped to come back for sure. I'm always pumped to come back. It feels like some kind of homecoming, like, you know, because it's like you're all the way on the other side. So I've, it's like the yin and the yang or, you know, like, so it's almost like it is like I'm coming home. I'm coming home to the other side. At first, I, I met some really good friends that are Australian in uh, Berlin, a lot of artists. And then the first time I came, I knew them and I showed up and they all ended up being good friends with Courtney Barnett, who, you know, of course, I uh, collaborated with later, but not before I played a, you know, a gig with her. And she was just a sweetheart. Um, avalanches are just like my favorite. I, I keep going back to different Australian acts, and and those are those are some of the bigger bigger ones. That, you know, I collaborated with Avalanches as well. I can't wait to see them and Courtney both at the festival. Yeah. Uh, but there's plenty of uh, other name. You know, Jess Ribeiro. I love her music. Um, uh, man, I don't know, but I'm so stoked to be back. I'm so stoked to be back, and I, I, yeah, just one gig, but I'm gonna hang out for a little while too. So I, and I wasn't sure if I could, but I'm gonna. So oh, that's good. That's sort of beautiful that I, yeah, yeah. With with Australian music, what is it? Do you think? Do you think we punch above our weight a bit because we are so far away? Well, there is that. Oh yeah, and of course, <laughs> Mick Turner. He's like, oh yeah, he's like my hero, and and uh, we've toured together. And uh, have you seen Jim UMI White, before? Uh, UMO. UMI. Have you? They're a very classic. Um, as as classic. Old school Australian rock actors as there there is. You I I have a feeling if you haven't met Tim Rogers yet, you would get along with the lead singer Tim Rogers extremely well. Oh dang! Yeah, I I feel like I've heard that name, but I I haven't I haven't 
come across that yet. No. But yeah, I think it's true. You do have to punch. Yeah, you're far away. And it's similar with Philly. Like, sure, New York is kind of close. Eventually you'll get there, you know. Mm. But you got to you gotta really uh, hustle. It's very similar. I think that's a lot to do with it. And Philly has like a ball busting. It's like how you love, show you love somebody. You bust their balls, you know, or whatever somebody's got. Yeah. And uh, Australian humor is similar, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Um, and I love it. Maybe Philly's the same because I was talking to Jack Antonoff on this podcast and he said the great thing about living in Jersey was you could always see Manhattan out your window, but you never thought you were good enough for Manhattan. So it kind of kept you pushing, you know, kept you kind of like trying to trying to break free because you never, ever think that you've made it because once you think you've made it, you, you start to suck. That's kind of, I'm paraphrasing him, but do you think Philly has no. that vibe as well? A bit more working class, a bit more like we're kind of just, we're trying to be heard? It does, but I'll tell you, you now like, now it's like, I, I feel like in some ways I got a chip on my shoulder, like I get the final <laughs> laugh because now with all this, like everything getting overbuilt and you have to be rich to live anywhere. Everybody's fleeing like yeah. all those big cities that they used to, brag to be from and i i i'm just I'm vindicated that i never left philly because i i've sort of moved to the it's still in philly but it's mount airy and there's just trees everywhere and it's beautiful and i feel like i've been sucked into the allure and and worked in all those places new york and la and uh nashville and melbourne you know <laughs> i've worked at all the glam i've been i've recorded at all the glamorous places but i yeah. never bought a place there and I get to go, go and visit, but I get to come home to Philly and, uh, yeah, just like Jack Antonoff. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> you know, I actually lived in Philadelphia for six months when I was uh, about 12 years old. And then we ended up moving to Washington DC. I was there with my um, stepfather's work, but I, I, I just remember buying a Phillies Jersey, getting right into boy meets world. Cause, um, <laughs> that was kind of like, a- <laughs> <laughs> Corey was a Phillies oh, fan, yeah. um, but explain What's to name? explain to Australians li- uh, listening what it was like growing up there because maybe we also think of Will Smith, West Philadelphia, born and raised, you know, the Fresh Prince. But Australians don't have a huge concept of Philadelphia. Um, what was it like growing up there for you and, and musically as well? Well, yeah, I grew up in the in the suburb, a tiny suburb just outside of West Philly called Lansdowne, and I would take the trolley and then transfer to the L to go downtown and buy records on South street at the record exchange. And anytime people come through Philly, it is tough because there's so many different parts of it that I feel like anywhere that a visitor would be seeing a show or something, it'd be hard to get a gauge of all the, all the various parts of Philly. So that always stresses me out when somebody comes through Philly and then they, they tell me somewhere else, you know, I see them somewhere else in their world. And they're like, what's up with Philly? I can't get a gauge. And I'm like, I can't explain it to you. I mean, <laughs> you got to live there. Yep. And you did. Yeah. When you were young, at least. But yep. uh, I don't know. Yeah. I was actually, we actually spent some time in Media, Pennsylvania, too. Have you ever been to that hotspot? <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah. That's the suburb. I mean, that's, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm from right around there. Yeah. Right. I, I have to say, when I got, I kind of, you know, the world is getting right into vinyl records. And, and this, I'm not just saying that because you're here, but the first album I actually bought for my new turntable was um, Walking on a, a Pretty Days. And it's, it was the perfect album for me to just, like, because I wanted an album that I could listen to the whole album. Because, you know, when you, when you start getting back into vinyl you're not skipping tracks and shuffling tracks and stuff like that um how do you feel when you're making a record because i I feel you're still making records to be listened to as records you're not you're not making albums to be shuffled on spotify oh yeah no i definitely am doing that still uh it becomes more and more you know like 
it's like an emotional roller coaster turning them in, but they always say, <laughs> you know, the last four have all been double albums. Like yeah. it's hard to imagine making a concise one record, but maybe I'll try next time. We'll see. But it, I'm so used to having, or it also takes so long for a record to be pressed. And the cycle is so long that you figure, well, if I got to go through all this again, uh, might as well make it a double album. Yeah. You know, it's, it's hard, but, um, but yeah, I, I make absolutely, do that. I think, I think, yeah. And then I, I feel like the world maybe goes through various stages of that being uh, cool or grabbing people's attention. This is definitely a, an era where people want attention, you know, lose attention fast. Yeah. So, but what I, I, I said that to myself, you know, I signed to Verve Records. I was like, this is sort of a major label or I got to like come out swinging in some way. And I said to myself, I'm either going to make a really tight, catchy record and, you know, cut all the fat or it's going to be a psychedelic, everything's going to blend together and it'll be more psychedelic. I can think I got somewhere in between with it this time, but it's still at the end of the day, it, it goes off on its psychedelic tangents. It's hard. It's hard to not <laughs> be sucked into that. You know, I don't know. I love how you say turn it in. Does it feel like, um, like an album's never done? Like, uh, uh, is there an album that you wish you could go back and tinker with, or is that kind of all of your records? I, I mean, I get like that in the moment. It's mastering. The mastering people always, often and always end up hating me by the end. <laughs> I keep making changes, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I stand by everything. I, I, I listen back. I, I'll hear a track or two that went on too long or something that's not as... I'm, pr I'm proud of all of them, you know? And yeah. they're also... The beauty is once you're separate from them and you look back, they're literally like a, a photo album. You know, yeah. it's a snapshot of... You know, it's the way you can remember. Yeah. Same, you know, similar, similarly to the, even the albums that aren't yours, you, that it's hard to get rid of things uh, because you touch that thing and you remember, oh, I do, I got a dangerous memory. I remember everything where I was when I got it. And uh, so I kind of, that's kind of cool making your own albums that way because you just, it's more of a snapshot of who I was then. A complete wreck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is that why? Like, what was it like? Um, because for people who don't know, in, in 2005, I believe you were in the war on drugs. You, you started the war on drugs with your, your best friend. And then you kind of made the decision, and tell me if I'm putting words in your mouth, but you kind of made the decision to go solo pretty early. Is that Was that always just because you just know what you want and you know how you want to make I it? Uh, in the very beginning, it was cool plant. Adam, yeah, he's one of my best friends. We connected. We, we there's like two phases of both of our bands. Like he played in my band, The Violators. Yeah. And I played in his band, The War on Drugs, right around 2003 and four. And back then it was like more like classic rocky, you know. And then around 2005, something happened where we both would just record nonstop in each other's uh, in his house, you know. And and uh, we took a a week off in uh, September of 2005, recorded a lot of Kurt Vile stuff, actually, some of which made Childish Prodigy, like Blackberry Song, and uh, I Know I Got Religion. But then out of that, a new wave of the war on drugs also happened because we were so close, we realized we had this thing where we locked in together. So that was awesome. From 2005 until 2007 was fun because we were playing shows and people were actually coming out. More people would come out to see the war on drugs, but... My music was always my focus, but yeah, once immediately when Adam got an actual record deal, which we were all coveting, uh, 
uh, that everything completely yeah. changed. I was like, well, I, I'm not, <laughs> you know, I was not invested in it anymore. And Adam, that's why I love Adam. I, you know, obviously now he's just in the war on drugs, but there was a, there was a moment longer than I was in the war on drugs that I really needed Adam in the, in the violators. And that was up through the touring of smoke ring for my halo in 2011, but I left the war on drugs in 2008, but he, he kept touring with me. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I was, I've, I've always, my own thing has always been my focus, but yeah, in the early days I look back at fondly. Yeah. But yeah, it was funny. Some growing pains of of being like, "Oh snap, he has an actual record deal." So I, <laughs> it did get got awkward for a minute. But <laughs> yeah, that's that's because we're brothers, you know. We're yeah. Brothers. Well, that kind of happened. Was have you ever seen that documentary Dig about? Um, uh, I mean, obviously that was a very very different situation. But just when the Danny Warhols and um, Brian Jonestown massacre just both completely like one became a huge commercial success and the other and um, the other didn't and and um, and one of the great yeah. rock and roll I documentaries. Mean, it's not that, oh, no, it's I'm not, not saying I'm not comparing you to at all. No, I'm saying I'm saying it's not that different. <laughs> oh, you know? oh, well, yeah. well, that is. Good. I know. No, I mean I'm just kidding. I mean only in the basic sense. Yes, know? of course. But no, I'm, I have. I feel I feel really excited where I don't know I I I honestly feel like there's a I think it's coming out of the pandemic combined with being on a new label and mm. there's there's differences but I feel I almost feel like it's like starting over for me where I'm starting I don't know it feels really the energy is really cool in the club so I'm playing decent sized venues it depends if you're in the middle of nowhere it's not like you're selling out every venue, but there's like a connection in the, in the fans, this whole thing. I used to be shy and not look into the faces of the fans and things like that. And now I kind of look at the whole audience and I know they're into it. So I, there's something, something has happened, but yeah, we're not playing um, Red Rocks amphitheater, like the <laughs> yeah. war on drugs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you are on the road at the moment though. Where am I speaking to you from? Are you in Buffalo? Is that right? Or are you somewhere? Yes, you are. There you go. I'm in Buffalo, New York. Mm-hmm. And we crossed the border into Canada tonight after the gig. I love this venue. It was actually owned by Ani DeFranco. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, it's cool. It's a cool venue. Hey, I'm, I'm not sure what time it is. Have you, been, have you been on or you're about to be on? No, I'm not on yet. Oh, um, right. It's uh, 7.19 p.m. where I'm at. Okay. At 8, at 8 p.m., uh, Julia Shapiro, my friend, great friend, uh, she, uh, from the band Chastity Belt, her solo band is op- opening. I, I love Chastity Belt and Julia's music so much. So they they've been Ch- Chastity Belt and Julia at various times on this album cycle have opened for me. So well, I feel very privileged to be a part of your pre-show um, routine today. <laughs> It is special. I don't usually do do the interviews. Uh, I'm just getting in the zone around now. Oh yeah, good. All right. Well, I, I won't. I won't do anything to to take you out of that. But I want to talk about the start, how it all started for you, because I, I love when I was kind of deep diving on you, because I think you know when you think you know about about someone because you're a fan of their music, but then um, the words banjo and forklift driver kept coming up. Um, is that where it all began on the banjo and then on the forklift? Well, I mean, banjo was my first string instrument. I wanted a guitar. Mm. My dad got me a was going to get me a guitar maybe for Christmas of the year that I was 13, but they like hung it over my head. They're like, we we're going to get you a guitar for Christmas, but you were really bad this year. you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't get you anything. No, I, so I just, I got other things, but I didn't get a guitar. Yeah. And then, and then the next year, my dad, like he had a, he had a conductor. He, my dad drove trains. He was a SEPTA engineer. Mm. Um, you can see him on the cover of my album. 
God is saying this to you in front of one of the trains that he drove. But anyway, he he had a conductor who played the banjo and he played it for me over the the, the phone, the telephone, mm-hmm. you know, not the cellophone. Yep. And it sounded so cool and distorted because uh, it, it was almost like he was playing a Jedi mind trick on me because he's <laughs> obsessed with bluegrass and such. But he, I was convinced to get the banjo. But then, you know, conveniently, not long after, I got the banjo for my 14th birthday, basically. And then I remember also around that time, like literally a few days or uh, we heard this, this, the Beck song Loser on the radio. My brother bought me that single and it was like very damaged blues music. And I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe it's cool to have this banjo after all. <laughs> you know, the whole, like, it was a cool area in like post-grunge where music was weird, like Ween and things like that yeah. or, and Dinosaur Jr. and Sonic Youth, but it wasn't too, it didn't, it was like a little post-grunge where grunge was angry and taking itself pretty seriously and then it was getting weird but it didn't turn to like a parody on itself weird i don't know i liked i think around the 90s i think you're right like it was such a cool like you could almost do anything and it was great like quinn tarantino always talks about how the 90s was like the 70s where all art was just whatever the hell anyone wanted and there was no kind of rhyme or reason and yeah i I love i love that time yeah me too and like I still I go back now. Nineties really sounds like classic rock because yeah, you took it for granted because I grew up in it. But like, yeah. just the nineties hip hop or even like just listen to uh, the Sonic Youth song. I think it's is it JC. I don't know. Like just like the noise. I made a playlist and it's like uh, you know like DJ screw slowed down music and then like Sonic Youth noise comes out of it and it just like works. <laughs> and I, I feel like that could only happen in the nineties. Like you know yeah. where. Or even the album covers often, you like, you know, the Melvin's Houdini, things like that. Like, it all, it's all, I don't know, it's this cool art. Yeah, it was almost like, it was cooler than Dada, but it's sort of like, it could be Dada combined. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know it sounds... It's it's beautiful. I'm glad that it's fine. It's actually classic now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, I think you and I are similar age, and I do find myself saying to people, "Well, music was so much better when I was growing up, just like my dad did to me." And that's obviously what we are just going to keep doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, tell us about. I, I'm conscious of a time, so I will let you go soon. But watch my movies is the new album, and I love how it's in brackets because I do a thing on my radio show about it. actually some of the great songs have a bracket titles, like even Satisfaction by the Rolling Stones that like, I can't get no is in in brackets at the start and T-Rex like yeah. banger gone gong and then in brackets get it on um so you put yeah. you put the whole album in brackets yeah <laughs> the reason I did that is because um we the the I wrote the song Mount Airy Hill really fast it's one of the the kind of songs that happen really fast and uh we just we took the title from the lyric sheet and went and uh really fast I said watch my moves like it was in parentheses like a interjection of watch my moves and <laughs> and then i we tried it every other way but it just looked boring you know i and we because we literally just lifted the whole actually right where i wrote when i wrote it and i it was in parentheses so it just popped from the page that way and also i, I am like a parenthesis kind of guy I'll, I'll send a text and immediately write back you know an addition in, in parentheses <laughs> yeah right it just makes it pop it makes it pop it does it looks good it looks good well um thank you very much for sharing this pre-show time with us and, and i'm going to come up and, and say good day. i can't wait to see you at, at harvest rock harvestrock.com for tickets and info uh, jack white's only australian shows there as well crowded house on the sunday it's going to be absolutely massive and and i really really appreciate your time today and um we 
like to end the podcast with someone maybe you'd like to introduce us to. We like pay the music forward. So if there's anyone you're listening to, could be could be classic, could be from the nineties, could be something you've just stumbled ac- across. Um, we'd love to hear it. Yeah. Okay. I'd like to hear Scuba Duba Diver by King Kong is my a nineties hero uh, yeah. that I just saw in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, on uh, on the Drag City label. Unreal. We'll get it on. Thank you very much. And congrats on uh, Watch My Moves in parentheses. We love it. And as I said, you're out here in a hot minute. So we'll see you really soon. Make, make sure you pack shorts. It's going to be hot. All right. <laughs> I will. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks, mate. Pleasure. Bye. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Let's